That is in the Old Testament, so if you have trouble finding it, look in the table of contents, and I'm sure you could find Ezekiel chapter 34. That's part of where our scripture reading was from this morning. So for the last month, we've done a sermon series on discipleship, building to this who's your one, and we had this training last Sunday, and I was really encouraged by the amount of people that came up here and put a card in a bucket signifying their dedication to discipling someone. I was encouraged by the training from Dr. Looney, and we're moving on to a different sermon series starting this morning for the rest of the month of March on shepherding. We're going to start with Ezekiel 34, because in Ezekiel 34, we're presented with what a model shepherd looks like. But what this lesson is going to serve as, I think, is kind of a bridge between the two sermon series. Because as you begin a discipling relationship, as you start to make a disciple of someone, as you begin that relationship, you're going to need further encouragement, training, and things like that. So we hope these lessons will continue to apply But as Rick was up here a few weeks ago, he announced that in the coming weeks, coming months, we're going to begin a process of nominating uh, and hopefully adding a few additional shepherds. So this is a good time in our church life to study what church leadership looks like, what a shepherd looks like, what it looks like to be an elder. So that's why we're in Ezekiel 34 today. But what I want to do for just a few moments to get a little bit of participation from you is I'm going to just say a few statements, and I want you to raise your hand if you would say yes to this statement. How many of you would say yes to I love spring break? Anybody there? We got some teachers. Anybody excited about spring break? How many of you would say yes, I love spring forward and losing an hour of sleep? Maybe you would say yes because you're excited that it's not going to get dark as early. How many of you would say yes Uh, I just love this time of year. Anybody? Anybody say, yes, I love Mexican food? I would say yes to that one. That's the first time I've raised my hand. How many of you would say, yes, I love living in a town where we have a Chick-fil-A and a Target? I I say yes to that because my wife loves both of those things. How anybody can love a store like that, I don't know, but she does. So we're here. We're in Longview. We say that we love things. We love food, we love stores, we love times of year, we love, and we use that word, and sometimes we just toss it around. Sometimes we tell each other we love each other, we tell a family member we love them. But what does love really mean? Central to the teachings of Jesus, he ushered in the kingdom of God, but he talked a lot about love. Jesus told us to love our neighbors as ourselves. He told his disciples to love one another and that they will recognize that you are a disciple of Jesus by your love. Jesus also says to love your enemies, to love those who don't look like you or act like you or think like you. Jesus talked a lot about love. And if we were in the New Testament, we could go through and look at the different Greek words and what they mean in the different Greek words that are translated in English as love. But if you were to ask Jesus, what do you mean by love? What's the ultimate expression of love? You know, we would point to the cross and say that sacrifice, but maybe Jesus would reference back to the way that God loves Israel. A theologian and professor of the New Testament, a man named Scott McKnight, he said that's what love is. 
If you really want to know what love is and how to love somebody, read the Old Testament and look at how God loves the Israelites. In Ezekiel chapter 34 and verse 25, we're going to read through a lot of this chapter, but just starting here, he says, I will make a covenant of peace and banish wild animals from the land so that they live in the wild and sleep in the woods securely. So towards the end of this chapter, he introduces covenant language. Now, in the book of Genesis, Yahweh, God, he makes a covenant, a Caesarean vassal treaty with Abraham. The parties aren't equal. Abraham's not equal with God. The Israelites are not equal with God. But they make a covenant together. And what that covenant signifies is that you are going to stick with something. It's more than just a contract or making a promise. And if someone were to break their part of the covenant, usually there would be bloodshed. And what we see throughout the Old Testament is that the Israelites are never really able to live up to their end of the covenant, but God keeps his end of the covenant anyways. So Scott McKnight says that this kind of covenant is a rugged commitment to someone. It's rugged because not all parties are able to fulfill their end, kind of like the Israelites are not. Scott McKnight compares marriage to a rugged commitment to someone. As time changes and you shift and change and, and you grow, you stay committed to that person through the good times and the bad times. For those of you who are raising children, it's a rugged commitment to love your kids through the good days and the bad days. It's a commitment to continue to love that person no matter what. And that's how we see God loving the Israelites and still how God loves the church today. In Ezekiel 34 and verse 30, this is towards the very end of chapter 34. He says, They shall know that I, the Lord their God, am with them, and that they, the house of Israel, are my people, says the Lord God. A man named Samuel Wells says that the word with is the most important word in the Bible, both in the Old and New Testament. With. That word with expresses how God really loves us. So this morning, I'm going to take that idea of a rugged commitment, a rugged covenant towards someone, and there's three words I'm going to share with you as we go through Ezekiel 34. And these three words, I think, are important for how a shepherd today shepherds a church, and I think it's also important words for how we disciple someone. I think it's an important word for how we parent our children, these three words that we're going to share. And the first word is the word that you see in this verse, and that's the word with. This is the principle of presence, to be present with somebody. Uh, We don't see shepherds or sheep very often in our world today, but I was Thinking back to 2005, several different news agencies ran this story. And it was about a group of shepherds living in Turkey, a small town in Turkey. And they left their sheep together in a field. And they didn't go off too far away, but they went to a restaurant to get some breakfast. And while they were eating breakfast, they could see their sheep way off in the distance. And they watched as one sheep walked to the edge of a cliff and just walked off and fell. But they're far enough away, they couldn't do anything about it. And then to their amazement and disappointment, they watched as all the other sheep followed that one sheep, and they all just started falling off the cliff. My wife told me not to tell this story, 
And I do use a filter sometimes, but she's not here this morning, so I'm telling it anyways. But they all started falling off, and they lost over 450 sheep that day. It was an estimated value of about $100,000. And I was thinking about shepherds who are normally in the field with their sheep, and it's okay to maybe leave for a moment to get breakfast. But sometimes when a shepherd is not with their sheep, the sheep will wander. Sheep need a shepherd to guide them. This shepherding metaphor is used over 500 times in the Bible, both in the Old and the New Testament. So it's an important metaphor for us to understand. And this is the metaphor we find in Ezekiel 34. So let's start with verses 1 through 6. We get this example of what poor shepherding looks like. The word of the Lord came to me. This is Ezekiel. Mortal, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, to the shepherds, Thus says the Lord God, Ah, you shepherds of Israel who have not been feeding yourselves, should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with wool, you slaughter the fatlings, but you do not feed the sheep. You have not strengthened the weak, you have not healed the sick, you have not bound up the injured, you have not brought back the strayed, you have not sought the loss, the lost, but with force and harshness you have ruled them. So they were scattered, because there was no shepherd, and scattered because they became food for the wild animals. My sheep were scattered, they wandered over all the mountains and on every high hill, My sheep were scattered over the face of the earth, and no one was there to search or seek for them. So this initial picture that we get in chapter 34 is an example of the Israelite shepherds, and they were bad shepherds. They cared about themselves, they fed themselves, they took care of themselves, but they neglected their sheep. And in verse 5 it says they're scattered. What he means by scattered is that they're in exile. When the word of the Lord comes to Ezekiel, he's not at home. It's the 6th century B.C., and he's in Babylon. See, the Israelites have been taken captive by the Babylonians, and thousands of citizens and priests have been taken as captives all the way to Babylon. So the sheep are scattered. And Ezekiel says they're scattered because their shepherds weren't doing their job. In verse 4, we kind of get a breakdown of how they were not doing their job He says, you haven't strengthened the weak, you haven't healed the sick, you haven't brought back the injured or brought back the strayed or sought after the lost, but instead you've ruled with force and harshness, neglecting to be a true shepherd, neglecting to be with your sheep, and because of that, the sheep are suffering, and they're now living in exile. So we get an example in this first part of what poor shepherding looks like, and in verses 7 through 10, God tells Ezekiel, that I'm going to hold those shepherds accountable. So to be with someone requires presence and time. Shepherds need to be with their sheep or they're going to wander. It takes time, it takes willingness to listen and to be with someone. As you form a discipling relationship with someone, it takes time and presence. As you raise your children or maybe your grandchildren, you have to be with them, to be present with them. About eight years ago, there were two different conversations that I had within a 24-hour period that I would say were pretty formative on the rest of my life since then. One of those took place on a Sunday morning. Uh, I had preached. At the time, I was just a youth minister, so I would just preach occasionally. But I was preaching this Sunday morning, 
And my wife and I were getting ready to make a move to Africa to do an internship. And we had some people that were kind of critical of what we were doing. They thought it was dangerous and that we shouldn't be doing it. So I, I needed all the support I could get. I preached the sermon. I walked to the back. And there was a man standing in the back. His name was Bob. Bob was on a walker. Uh, he was suffering from cancer. He was at the end of his life, and he knew it. And he grabbed me by the arm, as he always did, and he pulled me in, and he said, I'm with you all the way. Those were the last words he ever said to me. Uh, Bob passed away just a few days after that. And I remember that statement, I am with you all the way, not because those were his last words, not because it was a promise that he was going to be with me all the way, but because he had lived it. Because the three years prior to that, Bob had been with me. He checked in on me. He cared about me. We went to lunch together. He checked in on how my ministry was going. I was a young minister at the time, and, you know, he actually was with me. So when he said those words, I'm with you all the way, I knew it was true because his actions backed it up. He had been with me. These Israelite shepherds had not been with their sheep. So God is going to show them what a good shepherd looks like, and it starts with just being with your sheep. In the New Testament, we have this promise that God is with us. In Matthew 1, 23, when the incarnation is about to happen, when Jesus is going to be born and the story is being told, there's a name that's given, and that name is Emmanuel. You know what that name means? It's God with us. So Jesus becoming human, God becoming flesh, is the ultimate expression of God being with us. So a rugged commitment to love someone, a rugged covenant to stick with someone through the good days and the bad days requires presence, requires you to be with that person. The second word is this word for, to be with someone and to be for them, and this is the principle of advocacy. Let's look at Ezekiel chapter 34 and verse 11 through 16. This was our scripture reading this morning. But I want to just read through it again, kind of slowly, because this is God's promise to the Israelites that he is going to step in and he's going to serve as a shepherd and he's going to be the shepherd that the Israelite shepherds could not be. Verse 11, Lord God, I myself will search for my sheep. I will seek them out. As shepherds seek out their flocks when they are among the scattered sheep, So I will seek out my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places to which they have been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. Kind of sounds like Psalm 23. Even though I walk through the valley in the shadow of death, I'm going to fear no evil for you're with me. I will bring them out of the peoples and gather them from the countries. I will bring them into their own land. I will feed them on the mountains of Israel, by the water courses and in all the inhabited parts of the land. I will feed them with good pasture, and the mountain heights of Israel will be their pasture. There they shall lie down in good grazing land, and they'll feed on rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep, and I will make them lie down, says the Lord God. I will seek the lost, I will bring back the strayed, I will bind up the injured, I will strengthen the weak, but the fat and the strong I will destroy." I will feed them with justice. So God says that he is going to seek out the lost. The sheep that have strayed, that are in exile, he's going to bring them back together. 
He's going to step in and serve as a model shepherd for what these Israelite shepherds could not be. And not only is he going to be with them, but he is going to be for them. It's like saying, I am on your side. I'm going to be a champion for you as a people so that they can flourish. So they stop living in exile and being dominated by other countries, not so that they can be the dominant country, but so that they can be a blessing to all nations. And we see in Jesus' life and teachings that begins to be fulfilled. As Jesus begins to be that blessing to all nations. So that's where God is leading them. He's with them and he's for them. He's an advocate for them. It makes me think of a casa worker. Someone who is an advocate for a child. Who will be with that child. Who will show up in the courthouse and be an advocate for the child. So God is an advocate for us. I was reading a story about a church. And they had this men's ministry that was going really well for a while. And one of the leaders of the men's ministry was a man named Taylor. And this church started to go through a transition. And during this time of transition, decisions were made. People said things that hurt feelings. And Taylor was one of those men who had his feelings hurt. So he kind of walked away from their church. He just walked away from church altogether, and he stopped coming. He stopped communicating with the men from that ministry. And so they thought, we'll just give him some time, and maybe time will heal those wounds, and he'll eventually come back. But he didn't. So these men were meeting and praying and thinking about Taylor, and they missed him. They felt like he was one of those strayed sheep, and they wanted to bring him back. But they didn't really know what to do because he wouldn't return their phone calls They would try to go visit him. He wouldn't answer the door. So somebody came up with the idea that a group of men from this men's ministry would go camp outside of his house for as long as it would take until he would talk to them. They didn't stay on his property, but right outside of his front yard, they set up tents, and they were staying there to camp out for as long as it would take. And they would call out to him, and he wouldn't come outside and talk to him. And on the second day, he called the police on him. And the police showed up, And they couldn't do anything about it because he wasn't on their property, but when he would come to the door to talk to the police officer, all the men would just stand up and cheer for him. And he would ignore them, close the door, walk back inside, and this happened twice a day for a week. These men stayed out there every day, camping outside of his house, cheering for him every time he opened the door. And on the last day, he opened the door and they started cheering for him. And he finally just broke down and went out there and embraced them. And they were reconciled. And it sounds like a great ending, and I guess it is for their men's ministry and for that church. But as I read that story, I thought, maybe they just kind of had to regain his trust. Maybe he had to know that not only are they with me and they're here day after day, but they're for me. That they actually care about me as a person, flourishing as a human being, being the person that God has created you to be. In John chapter 14, 15, 16. Towards the end of Jesus' life, he has promised them that when he goes to the Father, he's going to send the Spirit. And he gives the Spirit different names, the Holy Spirit. Spirit of truth, the counselor, the comforter. But another name that Jesus gives the Spirit is an advocate. That the Spirit that Jesus will live, send to live inside of us, is an advocate. That God is with us in the incarnation of Jesus, but God is also for us in his spirit, acting as an advocate for us. So, with, for, and the third word is ahead. 
And this is the principle of direction. You see, God's serving as a shepherd for the Israelites. And shepherds leading our churches today are not only with the sheep and for them, but ahead of them. Guiding people in a specific direction. Kind of like our church has a vision that we're trying to live into. And these shepherds are walking ahead of us, guiding us into a specific direction. Just like shepherds would guide their sheep. Towards the end of Ezekiel 34. After he's talked about this renewed covenant in verse 25. Let me read verse 26 and following. He says, I will make them and the region around my hill a blessing. And I will send down the showers in their season. They will be showers of blessing. The trees of the field will yield their fruit, and the earth will yield its increase. They will be secure on their soil, and they will know that I am the Lord. When I break the bars of their yoke and save them from the hands of those who have enslaved them, they will no longer be plunder for the nations, nor will the animals of the land devour them. They will live in safety and no one will make them afraid. I will provide for them a splendid vegetation so that they will no more be consumed with hunger in the land and no longer suffer the insults of the nation. They will know that I, the Lord their God, I am with them and that they are the house of Israel. They are my people, says the Lord God. You are my sheep, the sheep of my pasture, and I am your God, says the Lord God. He's with them. He's for them, but he's leading ahead of them in a specific direction. He's going to bring them home. That's his promise. I'm going to lead you home, but not just to go home for the sake of going home, but it's going to be different. When he leads them home, they're going to feed on good pasture, and they're going to be safe. But not just for the sake of being safe, but for the sake of eventually being a blessing to all people. God makes, and he renews this covenant with them. It's a rugged commitment. And they still may not live up to their end, but he is still going to be with them and for them and ahead of them, leading them in specific directions. And order matters. It matters. You can't lead someone if you're not with them and for them. They may not follow you. But if you're with someone and you're for them and you want to lead them into kingdom realities, then it's more likely that they'll follow you. I mentioned that about eight years ago I had that conversation with Bob who said, I'm with you all the way. The very next day after I had preached that Sunday, one of our elders, our shepherds, showed up at the office, walked into my office, did that little light knock on the door. He said, do you have a minute? And I said, yeah. And then he closed the door. So that's usually when I'm like, "Uh uh-oh. What did I say, or what did I do, or who's upset with me? And he sat down, and I'm anticipating what he's about to say. I'm running through my mind, and he had this conversation with me that I still haven't forgotten. And he just said, you know, I just feel compelled to tell you. I know you're interested in missions, and you're still doing youth ministry, but he said, I think God's calling you into more of a preaching career. And at the time, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I was still thinking maybe maybe missions. I didn't know what it was. We were just trying to live day by day. But I listened to him. And in many ways, that conversation kind of changed the trajectory of my life. And I began dwelling on and praying about what he talked to me about that day. But the reason that I listened 
It was because the three years before that, he had been with me and for me. He had built that trust through the relationship. So when he's ahead of me saying, I think this is where God is calling you, and he's shepherding me in that direction, I listened. And I took his advice. So God is with his people. He's for them, but he's ahead of them, leading them into kingdom realities. As you disciple someone, you need to be for them and with them and leading them to Christ. As you parent your children, you're for them and with them. But you're not just doing that for the sake of survival. You're doing it because you want them to live into the kingdom of God, into kingdom realities. I'm going to leave you with just one challenge this morning. For the next few weeks, we're going to look in the New Testament at what being an elder is and and maybe what our, our role as a church is in nominating and identifying shepherds and what that looks like, God's model for church leadership. But as we look at how God serves as a shepherd this morning, I want you to reflect on that, but I challenge you to spend time each day over the next two months praying for this church and praying that God will lead us to the additional shepherds that he wants to serve this church. Add that to your daily prayer routine. Before we offer this invitation this morning, I want to start that prayer, and I want to offer that prayer right now, and I want to encourage you to pray that every day. So if you would, let's pray together. Lord, you're good to us. You love us, even though we don't always live up to our end of our commitment to serve you. But thank you for modeling for us what love looks like through the long haul. Thank you for giving us this church and giving us the shepherds that we have now. And Lord, we just pray the request that you will, over the next few months, place it on the men's heart that you're calling to shepherd and and add on to the shepherds that we have and help shepherd this flock. I just pray that you would place it on their hearts and that you would lead us to the right shepherds and that you will guide this process. Lord, we pray in faith to you on that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, this morning we're going to stand and sing a few more songs. We do have some shepherds here that are, some will be in the back, some will be up front with me. If you need prayers, if you need to respond at all this morning, we would love for you to do that. Take that opportunity. Let's stand and continue singing.